the Wheelie Podcast. Let your iPod bloom. Welcome to the Wiggly Wigglers podcast. I believe that this one is number 224. Marvellous, Phil. Who are you? Good question. (laughs) Farmer Phil here. And with me is... Me, Heather, from Wiggly Wigglers at Lower Blakemere Farm. Lovely day. Glorious day. Had a drop of rain last night. Great day to let the cows out. (laughs) A bit. Let's go and see what the cows are up to today. We're going to let them out of the shed and we're going to take Trojan Fred to his new abode. From here, you can see right across the other side of Gloucestershire on a clear day. You can see well up towards Shropshire and due east. I suppose you're looking over towards the Malverns. Yeah. And it is a most fantastic view. And I mean, on a sunny morning like this morning, the wood is green, the deciduous trees, the leaves are just coming out there, that lovely fresh green colour. The briars haven't gone berserk yet, and they're a nice green. So it's all looking good. When I walk up here, because it's so steep, I won't let myself enjoy the view till the top. <laughs> so, so it's I a fair keep, reward, though. Yeah, isn't it? I keep going until I get to the top and then I turn round. Right. Okay, so no pressure, but I'm directly opposite the uh, end of the trailer with a mad bull coming out and hopefully they will go round the corner into the field and enjoy themselves well they're just having to think about it nicely trimmed tails yes they look so lovely quite important that because when we put them on this fresh green grass they're to not put too fine a point on it muck will become extremely green and extremely runny. So this and is if, the equivalent to a curry? Uh, probably will, at least that. Right. And if they get their tails very dirty, that ends up getting a lot of muck and rubbish round their udders, which leads to problems with mastitis. So we cut their tails off neatly so that they don't get too mucky and they can lift them up and keep them out of the way. And Listen, so Farmer Phil, this is the most underwhelming experience. When I saw Tim Teague's video of letting the cattle out for fresh pasture for in the year, about, oh, I don't know, three weeks ago, he's hop-skipped and jumped, and we have taken these to the hopping and stocking, and they have done nothing except look puzzled well, and eat i can't comment really on cowboy operations in shropshire <laughs> you know they're a bit wild and yeehaw yeah. up there that's maybe the trouble that is the most gorgeous bull fred seems to like that doesn't he fred as you know is a hereford bull and he now is how i imagined it so the grass is described the green well, it's that new green, isn't it's, it? There's, there's no oh, fawn in it. lovely. And it shines as well. The shining leaves are shining. green. And Fred is just fully manicured. He's had the hairdresser around him. He's had the hairdresser around him. We haven't needed to clip his toenails, but he's all in order. Yeah. And the other thing, of course, is that because he's with his heifers, they lick him. 
and keep his coat all nice oh, and nice. shiny and clean so that they keep him looking in pristine apple pie order. Is that a love thing or just polite? Partly. It's the, they do tend to look after each other. Yeah. So they lick each other's eyes to stop the flies? Yeah, they'll swish each other, but they tend to lick each other if they've got a bit they can't get at. They'll, they'll lick you know, their necks and shoulders because obviously they can't. I can hear the others. I think we better go and we'll get, go them. <laughs> get them because they definitely don't feel right. The risky thing with heifers is that heifers can jump and will. Oh, here they go! Here they go! <laughs> He's hopping and skipping. Oh, wow! Okay, they've run, run like mad down the field, heading towards the gate. I hope the gate's shut. I think it is. Rob okay. Oh, that was much better after then. I thought they weren't going to do anything. If anybody's wondering what the Wiggly Wigglers podcast is, it's the Archers, but real, I think. Anyway, it's now time to find out what's been going on on the farm this week. And after that, we're going to have a short article on oxide daisies and why you should plant them on your grass verge. You need a daisy meadow. It's utterly essential. First of all, let's have a Montycast, a weekly fact on wiggliness. The Montycast, a weekly fact on wiggliness. Depending on the species of bumblebee, worker bees' tongues can vary in size from 6mm to 12mm. Another Montycast next week. Thank you, Monty. Farmer Phil, what's going on the farm? This week, down on the farm at Lower Blakemere in Farmer Phil's tractor cab. A busy week this week because the weather's pushed us back. The cold sort of late spring has pushed everything into a heap as usual. It's either because it's cold or it's rained, everything has pushed a heap. So what we've been doing this week is we've been putting the last of the fertiliser on the crops. So just enough to finish them off to get to harvest. We've been putting some fungicides on the cereal crops to stop them getting nasty diseases like septoria. And I have been waging my annual war on docks and thistles in my permanent pasture fields. But docks and thistles are caused because you put the fertiliser on in the first place? Not necessarily, actually. Docks are something that are a bit of a legacy on the farm that I'm talking about from poaching and poor management in the past so you get a reservoir of seeds in the ground and if you poach the ground or give them opportunity what's poaching the ground that's when you have stock in the field when it's too muddy and the the docks take advantage of the little bare patch of soil and will germinate and grow and then you've got your established docks which you can frighten most years but you do very well to kill outright and really it's a case of just trying to keep on top of them So there's a little bit of legacy and there's a little bit of the fact that it's very expensive to go after them, to kill them totally 100%, so that every so often you have to go and frighten them. And thistles are, they're, they're, I suppose they are partly enhanced by fertiliser, but it's not really, they're not not a true fertiliser-aided weed, not like cleavers and things like that. There's loads of dandelion heads about There are, and we've noticed just in the fields, the grass fields that we mow for silage, and to a line where we mow them, we've got dandelions. The other grass fields, no trouble at all. Just in those fields, dandelions right across the way, so we've had to have a go at those as well. For those of you that don't know, Wiggly Wiggler sends most of its parcels out from a warehouse, which is about five miles away, 
when I say warehouse, it's another shed. It's a potato shed. And we send our posts out from the farm and our flowers out from the farm. Now, not wishing to spread gossip or anything, but when you drive up the drive to the warehouse, on the right there was some sheep. And those sheep spent their whole time itching on the fence. And my little mate, Raquel, suggested that they may have got sheep scab. What is sheep scab? Not being a sheep farmer is difficult for me to say accurately, but it is a contagious skin disease that sheep get. And it is, I believe, controllable by law that you're not allowed to, mm. to let them have it. Although it is much easier to control with modern antibiotics now than it used to be. Because most sheep don't spend all their time itching their wool I, I think they do, really. Oh. If they had scab you would know about it because there'd be fleece hanging off and they'd look pretty rough. Hmm. And I've seen those sheep and they don't look rough, but I do know that sheep at this time of the year do spend a lot of time itching in T general. Talking of sheep, my friend, sheep farmer, Mr Clive Dale, who, if you really want to hear what he sounds like, go back to podcast. I think it's number 32. It's in the cow shed at night, and you'll hear him on there. I've invited him on the show, and he said he can't come on the Wiggly podcast because his cow shed is too untidy. I explained to him it's merely an audio show, but no to no avail. Anyway. I thought it might have been because Dorothy wouldn't let it. I think it could be that. Anyway, the point is, he writes in our village magazine, which Wiggly Wigglers prints, and here's his report. The funniest thing I've seen this month was a weasel running as fast as she could along the near bank, being hotly chased by a very bad-tempered moorhen about six <laughs> inches behind. <laughs> This much will always be true. You're never holding a camera or a gun when you really need one. Anyway, the point is, what he says is, they have sold well over half their early lambs. Prices have been very slightly better than last year. And he took a downer last week by 12 to £15 pounds less than the week before. Now, this must be big news because Mr Dale isn't known for his positivity and enthusiasm. And so he we have sold... to buy us a drink the yes. other night, which is pretty unusual. We have sold well... <laughs> no, I think you're missing the punctuation. Oh, we have sold well over the half. half. Yes. But by his demeanour, I would suggest that prices are pretty darn good. What's going on? They are. Although, as he rightly says, both the, the beef and the lamb prices come back a bit of late. But on the whole, livestock farmers are having a much better time of it at the moment. And that's probably a good thing because... Yeah, but why? We don't all go out and say, oh, we must buy more lamb, do we? No, it's basically shortage. And in this country, it's caused by the long-term effect of changing the subsidy system. We used to be paid subsidy per head of livestock. So in our case, we got a figure of subsidy for each suckler cow that we had. And they've changed all that. And then we now have the subsidy per acre of land or per hectare managed within the rules that they lay down. What that has meant is that people don't actually have to keep the cattle. And so particularly in the case of more upland farms, the numbers of cattle and sheep have diminished radically because people can still claim the subsidy. And at that time, when the prices weren't very clever why do the work when it didn't actually gain you any more money? So this has to be 
a major benefit because one, wildlife will benefit because it's not so intensively farmed. Two, the farmer can relax a bit because he hasn't got to do quite so much work. Three, the price goes up a little bit for the food to the actual farmer, so the supermarket needs more food. And uh, I can't think of any more. Well, two, two and three, <laughs> you're probably dead right, and that is a good thing. Number one, surprisingly, there are issues where that's not right because they are finding, again, in the upland areas, it was the grazing animals that maintain the upland areas in the way that they are. And if you don't graze them, they change, not necessarily for the better. And they are now struggling with the idea that having changed the subsidy system, people have reduced the numbers and the upland areas are not being grazed in the way that the, that the powers that be want them to be. Yeah, but there must be millions of other benefits. For example, water, they're not using up all the oh, water. Uh, you know, um, muddy streams, you know, cows aren't getting muddy I'm, streams. I'm not, I'm not complaining. Um, it's, it's an interesting thing. It actually comes back to my real complaint that subsidy just distorts the whole thing in really strange ways, and it is subsidy that's not a very good thing. But in terms of price, supply, and the market, and the quality of the meat, it's all good, because those who were not doing the job very well, or were producing poor welfare meat, or poor meat in general, are fairly obviously going to be the first ones to say, stuff this for a game of marbles, I'll just claim the subsidy and carry on. That can only be good for everybody, right from animal through producer to consumer. How's your boxes of beef sales going? Well, pretty good. It's quite nice that I managed to sell a carcass of beef without actually trying, which is my sort of marketing, really. But it's great because repeat business. You know, everybody who had one last time says, I've got to have one this time. So let's go and get down to the nitty-gritty. The listener is dying to know. Eight boxes of beef. From one fat... Heifer. Sales at? £175. Per box. Cost of death? £308, including butchery and preparation and packing in nice shrink-wrapped what's-its. Sounds reasonable. I think it's a good thing. It, it gives us an extra margin on the beast. It gives people complete traceability. They can see exactly what's going on. And I'm able to tell them the bits that they don't want to look at, so the bits about the avatar and how it's butchered. And the eating experience, by the sound of it, is just the job. From where I'm sitting, everything that I've eaten of our beef will do very nicely, thank you. Absolutely. Talking of eating your own livestock, if you are of a delicate nature, it might be worth not tuning in to next week's show. It's called The Kellogg's Show. And it is the story of Kellogg's um, being... Um, um, well, should we just say R.I.P.? R.I.P. Kellogg's. So uh, if you'd like to listen to the show, I think it's really good because it's about reconnecting and being responsible for your food and all that sort of thing. But if you are of a delicate nature, Michael's quite worried about it and Mary says we're mad. So if you don't want to listen, miss out show 225. Come back to us on 226 where we'll be talking about pleasantries like uh, wildflowers, etc. But on next week's show, it's the death of Kellogg's. 
So if you want just pleasantries and niceties and, oh, you know, just yawn. good humour and uh, all that sort of thing, then what you're really looking for is Ricardo. And so he, he should be back <laughs> on the, the week after that, 226. And Ricardo will be roaming in the gloaming or something <laughs> such... Responsible for the death of I don't know how many fishes. Oh, well, he'd be telling us the sky's blue and the <laughs> grass is green again, wouldn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I've got something to say. My veggies are coming on. For those of you that have any doubt about my ability in the veggie patch, you know this year I'm without any help at all. Michael's looking out through the window, and I want you to know that I have planted up full wiggly plots and I have tended them and watered them and hopefully I'm about to have my first few harvests I have of to them. say though, you did slightly overheat the other day in your tending of your garden, <laughs> didn't you? I did. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Had to go in the pond. Oh yes! Yes, Monty and I jumped in the farm pond because <laughs> it was so hot and we came out looking like mud wrestlers. Anyway, Big Norm, put that out of your mind. Leave it there. Listen, you've got to have an oxide daisy bank all the way along our beautiful country lanes. The verges are full of red campion, ragged robin, but best of all, oxide daisy. It looks like it's going to be an oxide daisy year, doesn't it? It is an oxide daisy year. I think it is. I've just written my article for the Birmingham Press on oxide daisies. They're gorgeous. Dog daisies, they're called moon daisies. And let's hand over to the privately educated farmer Phil for the Latin of daisy, because obviously I, I can't do it. Leucanthemum vulgari. The great thing is, Alison says that you can plant them now so that you've got an instant little flower patch if you want, so they'll come out now. But what I really like about them is they can stand being mowed for nine-twelfths of the year. So you can actually, once the flowering season's over, you can keep a few daisies and spread a few seeds, or you can leave them to go to seed, just a few of them. Then you can mow them off and you can carry on having a completely clipped lawn or verge outside your gate until early May. Then you let them go and off they bloom. Now, don't you think that's better than all those people that are obsessed with those darn daffodils that make them grow and then they've got all that scruffy grass and everything all around? I don't like them. I think we should have a campaign for daisy banks, daisy verges. We've got one outside our place on the triangle. It's just about to flower now. How easy is it? Because we can mow it afterwards. They're great for butterflies, but they support over 14 insects that other things don't support. And you know the best thing? You see the swallows and the house martins swoop over our daisies because they're picking up all the insects off the wildflower meadow. Now, isn't that cool? It's great. I'd just like to state that anti-daffodil comments should not be taken as anti-Welsh comments by our Welsh listeners, despite the fact that we do guard a small area of Offa's Dyke. I like leeks. Well, that's very good. Anyway, and isn't it wonderful on the motorways, if you go to Gloucester and get on the motorway, the motorway embankments are covered with oxide daisies, and I've got to say... You know, I moan about those councils loads, but they've done wonders for wildflowers. It they is really good. have. It's a pity they didn't do something about controlling the ragwort that'll come later on. Yes, but it's a bit like saying that Tesco's have done wonders for broadband access. Mm. 
Uh, moving on, listen. We're still on 99 reviews on iTunes. And, you know, I go there every week and have a look. No one's put one up. If you've given up listening to the show, can you just email in because we can save making it? And if you are listening to the show, could you possibly just pop to iTunes and put a review up? Also, it might be a good thing if you do happen to enjoy our ramblings and now that there's less of Richard to send you to sleep during the show, Mm. perhaps if you know of a friend who might like to listen to the show is to put them onto it and then the friend could put a, a review up. Thanks for listening in. It's lovely to have you listening to the Wiggly Podcast. Hope you enjoy it regularly. Come to our Facebook group. There's lots going on in our Facebook group. You know, it's more than just flies in your wormery. There's all sorts of positive things too. Oh, it's great fun. We're at Hay this week, so that will be lovely. Uh, See you all next week when we have the Kellogg's RIP and we will be back the week after with Ricardo. Bye from me. And bye for me. They're called Moon Daisies. And let's hand over to the privately educated farmer Phil for the Latin of Daisy, because obviously I, I can't do it. Well, I, I didn't <laughs> score very heavily in my yes. Latin Bella, bellus, bellum, blue, bella, blue, bella. I think <laughs> Lucanthium... No, I'll do that again. Lucanthium vulgari. Could you do that again, please? Lucanthium vulgari. Could you do that again, please? Lucanthium vulgari. Thank you. Anyway, that's what you need. And... That, Great thing of all is that I've... We need to stop fiddling with that. Put it down. The great thing of all is that... I was thinking, this is going to be the easiest to edit podcast ever. <laughs> <laughs> no, you I'd leave it in if I were you. <laughs> I like the way he tells me off when it's him who's fiddling with the <laughs> things and him who's sucking... F-bomb alert. <laughs> it's all gone tits up now. <laughs> <laughs>